Welcome to episode number 12 of Podcana. This is a podcast about Disney's Lorcana TCG, bringing you the news, the headlines, the strategies, all the drama, which I think, Brendan, is what we're going to be focusing on this week. Uh, you were out traveling a little while, mm-hmm. and we got caught with some news, and uh, some pretty significant news, too. Yeah, much more exciting than news we've had the past few weeks, which has been um, no news. <laughs> uh, but yeah, for episode 12, we're going to be digging deeper into this mess with Upper Decker. Upper Deck. Upper Decker. Upper Decker's uh, a whole different thing, dude, but it might actually just be a smelly. <laughs> <laughs> upper Deck versus Ravensburger. And the accus- ac- uh, accusations towards game designer Ryan Miller specifically, which uh, we actually have some inside information on that one. Um, but anyway... Let's go ahead and start with that Elsa icebreaker first, like. Elsa? Do you want to build a snowman? All right, so the Elsa icebreaker is uh, very generously uh, submitted this time by Disney Lorcana Dad, and it's suitable because Disney Lorcana Dad says, since Father's Day is this weekend, again, thank you for (laughs) the reminder, uh, who is the best father figure in Disney film history. Do you got one off the bat? Do you got one in your mind here? I was looking at this one earlier, and I think this is the hardest one, Flake. I don't think there are. Is there a lot of father's fi- father figures in Disney movies, at least ones that come to mind? I feel like it's mostly heroes, princesses, you know, villains, etc. So, like, father figure, I mean, you got to think about Simba's dad. Who I can't remember. Mufasa? Mufasa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the one that comes to mind, right? But... Yeah, I don't know. I I think back to the the movies that that really shaped my childhood. And there weren't there weren't a lot of father figures, which I guess you know that you know par for the course with the rest of my childhood too. Well, there's uh, <laughs> there's always I like the, Mufasa is the first one that came to mind. Which yes, awesome father, just very James Earl Jones giving a very fatherly esque kind of warmth to the the character portrayal as well, and the character itself very protective. And it's kind of like the father to the entire Savannah, right? Like the entire Lion King universe. The other one I was thinking about, and I don't know if this actually counts, like Geppetto as Pinocchio's quote-unquote father. Like, does that count as Pinocchio, a Disney character? Like, that's got to count to a degree, right? Surely. I mean, Pinocchio is one of those movies that I feel like I watched it once, but I don't think I watched it more than that so i hardly have a memory of the movie obviously i know that the uh you know the nose grows when you lie but outside of that i, ca- I cannot remember the plot of that movie um so basically uh, uh man creates puppet puppet mm-hmm. comes to life wants to be a real boy and then becomes a real boy which i don't know even like to in today's society when you're talking about like the message it sends it's like hey you shouldn't be comfortable being different. You want to be like everyone else, and that's when you'll be happy. I don't know. I don't know if that message is transcended to like through through the decades, but I wonder if it's like some Disney Frankenstein parable or something like that. <laughs> oh, it's, it's the guy. He like took the pieces from a bunch of other trees in Deadwood and just created this monstrosity that grows its nose when it lies, and then yeah, he and sharpens the tr- the his t- nose. <laughs> And then the true monstrosity is, uh, is actually just conforming to society. That's when you become the true monster, right? When you become a real boy. You're so deep, Brendan Patrick. <laughs> I, I, I was not aware. All right. So I'll say I'm going to say a tentative Geppetto, but now you've kind of thrown me off of it because you've given him this dark kind of aura around him and I'm not comfortable with it. So I'll just say Mufasa. I'll just say Mufasa. Yeah, I'll go with Mufasa as well, but I feel like that's uh, we picked one. We picked an easy one this time. Yeah. An easy one. All right. So the headlines this week. Uh, well, we kind of dug into it last week with Jordan Kennedy, who's an attorney who walked us through the actual complaint that was filed by Upper Deck towards Ravensburger and Ryan Miller. Those are the, you know, the overlording headlines. But we do finally, actually, at the 11th hour, and when I say 11th hour, it's currently <laughs> June 13th at 6.15 p.m., about half an hour ago, we finally got a new card. And before this, Brendan, people are like, hey, we finally get to see new cards. It's Iago and Timon. And we're like, dude, those aren't new. We've seen those forever. And we're like, when was were these even released? It felt like it was released like a week or two ago. No, they were released a month ago, May 16th. Can you believe that? And we finally got a, a new card. They threw us a bone. 
Yeah. I mean, the reason why I don't remember them is because those guys, those guys are pretty bad, actually. Um, and oh, yeah, it's, it's such an interesting content released pipeline for Lorcana here, especially with them picking up the new community manager. I would be really interested to hear their strategy and if that strategy has been disrupted specifically because of the legal case. Due to the fact that when you look at Lorcana, it does look, look it does look like a high budget, well thought out product, right? They have multiple sets coming out per year. They, I mean, it just doesn't seem like it's an amateur. It's an amateur. Uh, it's an amateur venture, right? But I would argue that their release schedule and their ability to maintain hype for the game has been extremely amateur. Honestly, one of the worst I've ever seen in the industry. I mean, we are closing in on that release date, and there's just it's like mostly radio silence on on twitter on sort of these social media platforms and you know we did get i know a lot of it is people getting used to um a previous release schedule like we got we got a lot of cards at once somebody was excited and then there's a inherent drought because maybe they didn't they couldn't sustain that but uh yeah i think that if they were to redo it you know maybe looking back in retrospect they might want to uh might want to sort of revamp that strategy and trickle it out in a bit more of a steady pace. I feel like, it, you know, we're talking about like a couple of weeks ago, new community manager beginning work and such like that, yada, yada, yada. And all of a sudden you you jump in and a week later and the biggest, most nasty, yeah. disruptive news occurs and you're like, oh my God. And it's probably like a rally the troops moment. I've been in scenarios like this in big corporations where something bad happened. And I'm talking about like, companies with 30,000 people that mm -hmm. I was on the communications team for where you you're the ones who have to deal with this spin it write the the memos and the press releases for I I've been there and I totally understand the all hands on deck approach where it's like okay everybody drop everything we need every mind to sort of attack this and I think that's kind of what it is where I'm sure this genie because the the genie by the way by so that's the new card it's the genie but the genie only appeared when this is which is hilarious to say but the genie only appeared when in like a reply to a tweet where everybody in the community is like hey we're gonna hype you guys up with some memes and and put you guys in a better mood because i know that that um you know the s hit the fan as it were and so let's go like here's some some goodwill and people were then kind of saying and in return we receive and then they replied to a tweet with the genie Mm hmm. Well, people are people are asking for a card. You could even you could even go to say they were they were wishing to see another card and they get it. They get a genie, actually. So I think it's a bit it's on brand for uh, for the situation. Let's go ahead and read the card, though, for the people. Genie on the job. It's a three, four. It costs six. It cannot be turned into a resource. Very critical. Has evasive in uh, this is an emerald, by the way, and it has an ability called disappear. When you play this character, you may return chosen character to the player's hand and it re and it quests for two pips sorry i keep saying reap you know we're talking about these legal battles and stealing ip and i'm still using keyforge keyforge terminology here um which is quite ironic this card so you have to look at this card and you're like is this card better than lady tremaine another six cost in green that doesn't is not able to be turned to resource cards that can't be turned into resources are very very high costs um lady tremaine is a lot more narrow so with Lady Tremaine, you really do need to be getting that Dragonfire out of your graveyard. If not, it actually rots in your hand. This card, on the other hand, um, it does not. It shouldn't rot in your hand. You should be able to play it. This is. Uh, but that being said, you know, getting this at the wrong time, maybe in the early game or in the super late game, without there being a, a good target, maybe your opponent is playing aggro, has a lot of things on the board, and you can't get value out of this. The stats on a six cost here are quite bad. Um, the two. The two pip quest is nice, but ultimately, I'm just really surprised to see this card in in, in in Emerald Flake. I was not expecting a card with this ability to be to be in this color. A bounce effect, right? Like it's it's that's... a tempo effect. This is a mana war effect. This is like I mean, this is quintessential blue. And I guess in in so far in this game, kind of, I guess I would have expected to see it in blue specifically. Blue is the Lose the color right now, or sapphire. The ones is you know putting you know, your threats back into your you know, you're transitioning someone's threat into a resource. You're like flipping it over. You have unconditional removal. Like I would expect bounce effects like this, like tempo effects. Um, it's like if you played Magic Gathering, this Man of War effect to be in to be in something like sapphire. So very very surprised you didn't in Emerald. In other card games, I found that um, very ideologically tethered effects or, or or sort of strategies like aggro or direct damage or hard removal or bounce slash disruption things like that 
every color has access to something like that, usually at a higher cost rate, where, for example, in Magic, Magic did, in red, have a counterspell-esque effect that countered a spell. Mm. It was very niche. It came out, it was like a one-of that was rotated out, and it's like a rare thing. Um, or like white, I think, had like a direct damage spell that, or, or something like that. Ultimately, there are sort of in, like little small points of intersection that still maintain the actual color identity you know in the in the broader scope i'm wondering if genie is just a one of in green or the alternative here is maybe colors don't really have an ideology and everything <clears throat> just has everything and we won't know that until all the cards are out yeah, I mean, it has both evasive and this. So evasive sort of a terminology that was existing mostly in Ruby. Uh, I think we saw it in a bit in other colors. Obviously, Pascal is the best evasive card in the game. Um, but we're seeing it in Emerald as well, which I, I think would be good. Evasive as evasive as a something that existed in just a singular color might be a bit frustrating because there's not a lot of interactivity in Lorcana, at least right now. So uh, that I'm happy to see, but th this... This bounce effect, you know, ETB, bounce something back to someone's hand. I really like that ability. Generally, those are some of my favorite cards to play with. So uh, overall, I think it's I think it's a good card. I mean, it's hard to say it's hard to say if something is a good card or a bad card for Emerald because Emerald has by far the weakest card pool right now, as well as I think the most shallow. So it's it's definitely an addition to the to this color if you're interested in Emerald for some reason. All right. The other two cards, again, we got full clarity on Iago. Loudmouth Parrot, uh, which again, this was leaked a, a month ago, May 16th. And ultimately, it's a three drop, one four. Uh, it's got an ability. You got a problem. You exert it. Chosen character gains Reckless, which in my mind is still a pretty lackluster keyword. So I like it. And this because it's on a body, there's another card that's reckless and it's like a song or something, and I think that sucks. Uh, the fact that this is a repeatable effect on a body, I kind of like. It's going to force your opponent to need to clear Iago, which is furtherly, it's more inefficient, right? So it's already inefficient to give something reckless, but you know, you give something reckless, it's incentivized to actually just att uh, to attack into Iago because Iago will be tapped and it must attack something it cannot quest. So a little bit of a non-bow there, but also your opponent needs to sort of clear it on the next turn i think that the this cards like this will be a lot better if they have bigger stat lines so like an like an iago like card but instead it's a three five or something like that because then your opponent has to clear it off the board has card that can't quest must attack and if it attacks into it it just it dies right there's not a lot of things that are going to attack in iago and actually kill and actually die so they're going to attack in iago deal some damage maybe not kill it and then on your turn you're going to have to sacrifice the opportunity cost of questing with something and actually attack that thing back that attack the Yago to clear it off the board. So yeah, I mean it, it's okay to be honest. One four is one four that's definitely a big butt in Larkana, but the effect uh it just seems it seems fine. I can see something where if there was ever a card or if a card exists that allows you to untap one of your permanents or unexert one of your permanents where you you quet like you you exert Iago, you give a, a unit uh, or character reckless you play a card that unexerts iago so he's no longer a legal target you quest with one of your big boys and then the card that has reckless has to basically dunk itself into your big boy and like mm -hmm. that is in my mind probably a potential combo with this um but as it stands right now you're right i mean it's a one four so you're giving something strategically you're strategically giving something reckless that either is on its last breath or that will trade efficiently into this. Or it's even just a matter of like, hey, I'm giving you Reckless because you've got three pips on that or, or, or something, and I just don't want you to get three lore this turn. Yeah. So it's also potentially just a stall effect to buy some time. So this is a good card against like Pascal, right? Because Pascal is ev evasion, so it can't be attacked, but it can be targeted, I believe. Um, I could be wrong. But I do believe you could target something like a Pascal with this, and yes. that would be a that's a that's very good. So this is actually like one of the best counters to one of the best cards in the game. It's just a little slow. But the thing about Pascal is Pascal is a great one drop. This scales well into the late game, and this would immediately counter something like a Pascal. And having to trade a fit like sort of high value removal for something like an Iago is not what you want to be doing uh, in, in Amethyst anyway. So. The more I think about it, I think Yago's actually a decent card. It's just like, is it part of a winning game plan, right? Or is it a bit too clunky and too slow? Are you giving your opponent too much agency to just win the game with other cards on board? 
I think that the like my final assessment of the card is like you mentioned, reckless as a, a an action is bad. Mm. Reckless built into a card much better uh, because mm. you don't have to use it. You could if the opportunity doesn't present itself, it's still a one four that can go ahead and quest for one. So it does have alter and it could become a resource if you feel like you don't have to. Uh, next card. Do you want you want to yep. roll? I got over you. Timon Grub Rustler, Storyborn Ally. It's a one two. Uh, cost cost one can be turned into a resource. Uh, it is amber. It has an ability that says "Taste like chicken." When you play this card, you may remove up to one damage counter from chosen character, and it quests for one. I think this card's pretty bad, to be honest. I mean, at best, right? So on the ideal board state, this is a one three for value, and then I think. Past that, it's just sort of a poorly statted one cost, especially when you compare it to something like Pascal, which I think most one costs need to be compared to in terms of competitive viability. Also, you have one cost like Maleficent uh, in Amethyst, although that card can't be turned into a resource. I think Timon is a very average to below average card. I'm not sure about removing one damage counter from a chosen character. It's actually going to be too powerful, especially considering you're incentivized to play this card on turn one. Uh, like what the, what the ability is telling you is like this has a utilization in the mid to late game, but I think if you're playing this in the mid to late game because you because of that effect right the effect tastes like chicken finally has value like you're probably this just like an inherently low value play that you're playing at the one cost anyway so timon is uh i i'd be happy to stand behind that timon's a bad card um timon is a one drop with this effect i think is bad i think this card's going to be more of a resource this is this card's probably going to be more used as a resource unless you're ha- like you just want to drop a one drop um ultimately I see this ability being most effective on like a three or four drop, like with this with the adjusted stats on it. If this was like a let's say a four drop that had like a you know um, a three four stat line that says you can remove one damage counter or whatever, that's not bad because you've probably already done some trading or you probably have a damage counter somewhere where you don't feel like you're losing value. Because the first thing you do when you draw your cards up is you're like, do I have a one drop? I do. Perfect. I'm going to drop my one drop. I'm already losing value on this. How is this card better than a one drop two two, right? Because I'd rather have a a two two for one drop than, you know, the one damage that I'm losing out on here because I'm not healing. If you pick this up like it, if you're on top deck and this is your draw you're you feel so bad maybe you're you know recovering a health but this is yeah. not going to win you or lose you the game late game and it's if it's a feels bad to drop this on the board on an empty board yeah see my, my main argument stems from this i think this is uh this is a bad card to play on turn one and it's also still a bad card to play on turn five turn six turn seven even if you're play, like even if you're curving into it decently well in the late game maybe you're getting um value out of that effect it's just it's not good enough <laughs> compared to some of the other one drops we have and considering how important one drops are in this game i think timon is one of the worst ones we've seen so far all right so those are the new cards that we have up to date which is again we're recording this june 13th at 6 30 p.m currently uh we haven't gotten anything else we'll keep some eyes out for you uh if we do uh like i said keep keep track you can uh follow at podcana and we usually drop some uh insights on new cards but the uh, crux of the matter, which you were out traveling uh, the world for, is that Upper Deck is, in fact, uh, pursuing legal action against Ravensburger and Ryan Miller specifically in mm. nine different complaints, as they were. And um, if you want a, a very robust and detailed analysis of the entire complaint, uh, Podcana 11, I had a conversation with an attorney uh, who walked us through a lot of this stuff and gave some very, very intriguing insight into how to interpret the complaints and what the procedure is. So we're not going to go into that. But what I do want to go into is that Ravensburger and Upper Deck have both spoken about this. So here's Ravensburger, Ravensburger's official statement. It is, we at Ravensburger stand behind the integrity of our team and the originality of our products. The baseless claim filed last week are entirely without merit, and we look forward to providing this in due time, or proving this in due time. In the meantime, our focus continues to be on developing and launching a fantastic game in August. That's from Ravensburger. Mm-hmm. What do you feel about that? So, I mean, that's a whole lot of nothing, right? The first thing is, is that Ravensburger is definitely not guilty until until proven so, right? They, they are innocent right now. But you can't 
you can't hold on to that one too much. You still got to pay attention. You still got to give some credence to, you know, the accusations. At least, at least try to understand where Upper Deck is coming for, from. And I don't know, give some credence to the entire, the, the entire situation that's happening here. It's, it's easy to write it off. And I think that both both extremes are wrong, right? If you're immediately looking at Ravensburger, thinking that you know they definitely did, they definitely stole this, etc. And Upper Deck, Upper Deck, you know, was the original creator. That's the incorrect way to go. And if you're just if you're just completely starry-eyed because you love Lorcana and you want it to come out, and you, you, your brand is resting on it, etc., and you decide to ignore all of this, that's also very incorrect. So the one thing that I know. And the reason why this is particularly interesting to me is because when Lorcana was first being released, we first started hearing about it, it was announced, etc. I went on LinkedIn, me personally, on my own accord, volition, etc. And I found one game designer in particular, and that game designer was Ryan Miller. And I messaged Flake and I said, hey, here's the lead game designer. He's from Wizards of the Coast. That's good information. Let's talk about that. And we talked about Ryan Miller on our podcast. Doesn't look good. Doesn't look good, Flake. Uh, okay. Yeah, it's again. <laughs> we, we are a, okay, again. The, all the disclaimers. We are not lawyers. We are not assuming innocence or guilt. We are not passing judgment. We are merely discussing the the reality of what's going on. Of yeah. which now, what I take from this. Let's just dive. We're diving into the entire topic now. Like this, the headlines are the topic in this case. And what's fascinating about this is a lot of the speculation around this entire friction and and you know complaint is the first thing people said were well those are baseless claims or oh my god they're screwed it was one end of the spectrum nobody mm. wanted to read the entire complaint nobody wanted to read the entire complaint in fact one of the things that made me absolutely cringeworthily uh, um, embarrassed for certain people in the community were the types who there was people who were saying, "Oh, I read the rules for Rush of Icor. They are absolutely nothing like Lorcana." Are you joking? Are you <laughs> kidding me? They're like, if I read those rules, I would never even like not. There's not a single shred of this that's even close to Lorcana. Are you out of your mind? That is the one thing I have to say. Like, it, I'm all for being a fan of an IP, a fan of a game, but are you a fan of reality? That's part of it, friends. You have to actually tether yourself to this planet Earth and give your head a shake when it comes to this stuff, because even though there are, there are certainly discrepancies between the two if you are or if you are honestly and with all sanity intact claiming that there is nothing congruent between the two of these rule sets you are you are on mars my friend looking through a telescope reading lips that's how out of touch you are at this point it's easy i think it's it's really easy to take take the route of like no, I mean, it doesn't look anything like it. it it's, it's baseless, et cetera, because a lot of people, they have skin in the game. And guess what? So do we. Well, this whole podcast is pretty much dependent on Lorcana coming out. But I'm a fan of the truth. <laughs> so we're going to talk a little shit because we've got, we've got, we have information that, I mean, it doesn't look good. I agree with you that the idea that they are not similar whatsoever is absolutely not true. But obviously there's a lot more that is happens in between that. If like this claim is actually going to, you know, dis- disrupt the launch of Lorcana. I just, I apologize to you Ravensburger cause we're not doing you any favors, but that's just, that's just how it is at this point. Uh, Flake ultimately full circle. What are you, what are you, what are your thoughts? Like, what are your high level thoughts on this, um, on this allegation, on them going public, the response? I mean, I think the response is, I mean, it's a classic legal response. It kind of sucks, to be honest. I mean, it inspired no, no confidence in me because it's, it looks like it could have been, you could have, you could have copy pasted this from any, any, like a legal response to anything in this nature, right? They put, they put no sort of personality into it. And I understand that's maybe just how it has to be because it's, it's legalese talk. But, um, what is your, what is your high level view right now? How are you feeling? (laughs) Okay. So here's, here's my thoughts on this. Number one, when it comes to Ravensburger's response, silence is condemning. It's not like say nothing and, and, you, you cannot remain stagnant or, or impartial to this f- at, from the receiving end as, as Ravensburger. This is something where they're 
their legal team was like, we have to say something, even though we haven't fully built a defense or fully, you know, whatever. So what we're going to say is not an admission. It's, it's basically they're not admitting guilt. They're not saying, you know, like they're saying that they, the claims are without merit. Like, so th- th- you could say anything here as long as it isn't, uh, you know, <laughs> doesn't admit guilt. <laughs> as long as it doesn't admit guilt or it doesn't um, um, basically further, uh, what's the, incriminate, you know, Ryan Miller or Ravensburger. Anything you say here is a response and that's already plus EV as it were because silence is is basically the worst thing you can do. If you say no comment, if you if you do not come out with something, you are just reeking of guilt. It festers there, the silence, it becomes deafening, and that is in itself a telling thing. So this just basically says, hey, we like our people, we don't think we did anything wrong, and we'll and we're gonna and we'll show you now. What is that? That doesn't. That doesn't. We're, we're we're significantly invested in the in in the fact of us not doing anything wrong. So yes. we're gonna make sure we prove that to you. So what this means is, I think what the, when you put this out, it me and like what this means is, in my opinion, is that there was an initial sort of like I, I would imagine. Again, I'm not. This isn't legal advice. There was probably an interaction between the two that opened up the dialogue about this, a kind of, hey, what the f- what the fuck moment? Like, what's going on here from Upper Deck? They couldn't agree to it. So Upper Deck's like, hey, we're going to press charges. We're going to, or we're going to pursue legal avenues to sort of rectify this. And Ravensburger was like, yeah, we got other things to worry about. So you do you. You spend all that money. You think, if you think you're, you're okay with it, spend the, the, all the money to get this done and we'll talk to you when we get papers in the mail. And then they got papers in the mail. And that's where you file something, it becomes public record, you can and you could look at it, you could do this about any other case that's out there. And the issue with this that really concerns me is that they are saying no, we 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 admit no fault. We are these ba- these claims are baseless, which to me says this is moving towards litigation or in the background, you've got Big Daddy Disney, who's going to open the wallet and said, you two fools, both of you pay me for licensing, which is true. Upper Deck pays Disney for licensing for, for some of their product. You you both pay us. So what we're going to do, or what Disney's going to say is, I'm going to give you some of the money that you both, both of you idiots pay me. So I'm going to pay you back with your own money, like Upper Deck. I'm going to pay you with your own freaking money that you paid us so that we can keep this on the rails and both go back to, to making money hand over fist and we can put this to mm. bed. I'm genuinely surprised it got this far with the public statement because it's pretty bad. It, it, I mean, it looks it looks genuinely terrible. I know a lot of people want to pretend like this doesn't look bad, but this looks really bad. And like you said, if you actually look into it and you look at the rules of the other game, yeah, I mean, it looks pretty bad. So the fact that they actually went public with it, and like you said, they're both connected to Disney, it just seems like it's a bit farther along than an allegation at this point. Or it's it's not... <sighs> It wasn't. It wasn't thrown out flippantly. Right? <laughs> They're very, very serious um, about this. And just yeah, the little information nugget we have from four months ago, it really sprouted into a nice little beautiful flower that makes this seem like this has been going on for a while, at least in the background. It doesn't necessarily mean that Ryan Miller was um, doing anything bad or did actually take the IP, but I do think that they were at least alerted to the information four months ago or even worse, you know, Ryan Miller came on full knowledge knowing that like, Hey, let's keep this as quiet as possible that I'm working here. But then why would you put on your LinkedIn? That's my question. But then again, I, I, I know human beings and human beings love to put shit on their LinkedIn that they shouldn't because <laughs> that happens all the time. I'm a life coach. I'm a, I'm a success, uh, facilitator. People will go to competing companies all the time and then slap slap the new one on their LinkedIn when you absolutely don't have to, because um, yeah, it's an ego thing. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, we have, obviously none of us know how this is going behind the scenes right now, but the big question, Flake, is 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 this going to delay the release right. of Lacana, which is happening pretty soon? And here's and here's where the extra sort of the extra sauce on this is because the president, oh. well, the president of Upper Deck, Jason uh, Mashera. I'm sorry if I pronounce it in, in, incorrectly, went on a podcast called Sports Card Live, which uh, I, I, I watched for the first time, and I thought it was actually, as somebody who 
used to collect sports card. I thought it was awesome. But this individual, again, Upper Deck known primarily for sports trading cards. This president went on the show, was already scheduled to be on it. And when these allegations arose and to Jason's credit, this Jason, Jason Mashera, Mr. Mashera actually did not shy away from a single question, attacked everything head on and gave some very, very insightful answers of which was we're not going to take it. We're going after everybody. He said that it's not it's not just Ravensburger. We go like for he's like for the record, you guys don't hear about this. We go after people on Facebook Marketplace who create counterfeit stuff as well and we take them to task as well. We absolutely are not afraid to take all these things to the nth degree to the completion of the law to punish these people and he's like this is no different it's he's like it, it's just that this is a much more high profile scenario and i believe that they were also talking about what could be the freaking worst thing that could happen to to uh lorcana even if lorcana wins okay even if lorcana wins if upper deck files an injunction against them from releasing the game on time that is devastating absolutely devastating and it is within their legal rights to seek an injunction because as jordan kennedy explained in episode 11 if if this goes to litigation it's not going to be for another 18 to to 24 months and if it does go to litigation lorcana will have already um, released which already does irreparable damage to rush of icor so the injunction is merely there to say until we figure this out we need to stop this because win or lose, this coming out already screws us over. So we need to. So if that injunction is honored by the judge or or, or, or basically put into effect by a judge, that is no jet like no Gen Con, no no nothing. That and and that's even if they even if Lorcana eventually wins, you're screw, They're screwed. Yeah, and for all of you who got the promo cards at Disney the other few few months ago, you got to send them back too. <laughs> imagine, well, imagine well what was it sold for like ten thousand dollars you got to send them back <laughs> that's a whole other episode i i honestly just want to what so fun little side note here uh a buddy of mine who tracks a lot of this stuff and oh is, yeah he was telling me he showed me the stats he's like you want to know how many like psa nines and tens are of these cards he's like normally he's like take a game like flesh and blood there are maybe like 40 or 50 PSA 9 or better tunics in the world. He's like, do you know how many PSA 9.5 or uh, plus of Mickey there are? The D23 Mickey? He's like, hundreds. He's like, this is a market that has already exploded and is almost like unreasonably bubbleless. Uh, and I it has this black swan event with this uh, upper decker, upper deck, upper, God, upper I'm going to call him upper, upper decker. Upper decker suing. So, like Ravensburger, I'm sure those people holding on to those cards are are super happy about this these uh, this news. Um, yeah, I mean, Flake, I think we can zoom out. I mean, we we gave the information that we had, and we gave our perspective on it. Obviously, Jordan, who we had in the podcast last week, is much more of an expert in sort of the actual the actual path this might take. But yeah, Ryan Miller, well, Ryan Miller, and LinkedIn.com. I can't believe my little detective skills got us got us into such a conundrum. Well, you you did some good sleuthing earlier on, and the thing about it, and like this is also what I want to get at. And what one thing that I always tell people is that for you and I, a lot of the times, like integrity is the is what you need as currency in this in this business. And I haven't been doing this stuff, you know, for eight plus years because I was you know, throwing people under the bus and disrespecting the wishes of companies and whatever. And you do the right thing. And that's what's important. But at the same time, you have to maintain some personal integrity to the degree of if something, it's like, there's a saying, if if it sounds like hooves, think, ah, yeah, think horse, this. not zebra, right? Dude, like my, my rugby coach used to say that shit, actually. Yeah, but it makes sense. And in this case, and, and I don't mean to sort of, you know, pull some of the luster out of the eyes of the fan boys and girls out there who are just diehard fans of the game. You could be a fan of the game, but also understand that 
the game may have very striking similarities to previous developers where the developer is the same guy like the dots are connecting people yeah i'm just gonna i'm just gonna linkedin ryan miller real quick <laughs> you said him a best see if he put see if he has upper decker on <laughs> keep saying that um so yeah uh, it's it's hard to stop one saying. thing that we're going to be on this podcast is honest and that is one thing that whether you like us or not we are going to be honest and upfront about the realities of what we're seeing. Now, obviously, we're going to have our own biases in terms of our opinions, but we read the entire 18 or 20 page complaint or however long it was. We read I read the entire thing twice. I went through with it with a lawyer. We, we discussed it. Um, ultimately, if, if you're just out there on Facebook posting posts of like innocent until proven guilty and like, uh, you know, screw upper deck and like whatever. And Lorcana is, is the better thing. Like you don't know what Lorcana is. Like I'm just, you see what I'm saying here? Like you ready for this flake? You're going to love this. So Ryan Miller, brand manager at Ravensburger, North America, brand manager, North America, full time, November, 2020 to present two years, eight months before then freelance game designer this was uh basically since may 2013 so nine years it's sort of his like general general thing he does um he was a wizards of the coast he worked at hasbro so he's a senior game designer and a game designer he was a senior game designer between 2010 and 2013 um, as well as a game designer so kind of lumped them together well so post 2013 heading into 2020 he was a freelance game designer allegedly right so that's that's the big that there's a huge gap there, and um, th no, no Upper Deck mentioned here on LinkedIn. Hmm, just freelance game designer. I feel like Upper Deck doesn't think he was very freelance during that time. Well, so it seems. Upper, well, the Upper Deck, he was hired at Upper Deck in 2020. So is there anything between 2020 and 2022? Oh, in 2020, he was hired at Ravensburger. <laughs> That's what it says. He was hired at Ravensburger yeah. in 2020. <laughs> yeah, November 20. It could have been earlier, right? So it's November, November 2020 to present. Two years, eight months. Ravensburger brand manager. Not even listed as game designer, by the way. Maybe, um, maybe Upper Deck just has like like Windows Office Suite. So he went to go work there to get all the better like tools to design the game, and then took it to Ravensburger. <laughs> I'm interested to know if he was a contractor at Upper Deck or not. It might have mentioned it in, yeah. the, so, in the legal thing. Yeah, so the way that it went down is, uh, and again, if you want to, you can double check. This is right out of the words of the president of Upper Deck, is that when they wanted to create a new TCG, they brought in multiple designers, had like a powwow of let's all exchange ideas. He was selected as, all right, we like your idea. We like your 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 where you're going design a game for us here's the timelines here's the actionables here's the milestones we want you to reach he reached a bunch of them and then he pieced out early he left early and that's the whole thing and then in the in the interview again with the president of upper deck he said that dude like we couldn't really do much because we were not even aware what the rules were until they were made you know, a, a basically, they were they were put out into the wild to the whole world. So that's where we started a little bit more of the aggressive legal stuff. But those rules were only published or or leaked in mid mid April. So they didn't have much time. Like when you say that this is, you think that this was something that's been going on for a while. I don't think so. I genuinely believe that that Upper Deck woke up one morning, saw that Ryan Miller's name was attached to another game looked at it and said, are you effing kidding me? Are you freaking kidding me? And then looked at the rules, were not blinded by, you know, uh, cringy fandom and said, yeah, this is really damn similar to the degree that we should probably seek legal action. And that's where that goes off. And yeah. again, innocence, like we are going by the information that is available to us. But from what we see, it is, it is going to take one hell of a defense to prove otherwise. Yeah. I just want to let you all know, if you want a huge level up on how to get secret information and sh stuff that doesn't exist on Twitter, holy crap, use LinkedIn. Like, I just found the global community manager, salary range, job detail, like, literally everything. <laughs> I mean, all this, I don't know. It's crazy what's on LinkedIn. It's just, it, it, LinkedIn exists in this sort of, 
parallel world where people just like all the real information kind of exists there. It's, it's, but it's beneath this sleuth of just BS and you know, all the, I don't know if anybody uses LinkedIn, you know, that it's like the most toxic social media platform with like the posts that happen and it's terrible. But if you want to figure out anything about anyone or any company, like LinkedIn is so great. You can snipe everybody's emails. You can get all the job descriptions, figure out where everybody's worked and you can just cross references to a few other Google searches and you've got everything. That's how we found Ryan Miller back in the day. You know why? Ryan Miller was happy he was working at Ravensburger, so he threw it on his LinkedIn. Since and 2020, apparently. It. That's why I snapped it. Do you have a screen yeah. grab of that? We'll put it up on the screen. Bro, easy. We can put it in the thumbnail. <laughs> yeah, we'll put it in the thumbnail. Um, nonetheless, <laughs> that all this said, like, well, yeah, like the reason why is that people are like are proud and they want to be like, I got this new accomplishment. I want to tell absolutely everybody. And then they'll go and they'll physically update it on their LinkedIn and they'll hit uh, save or update or wherever the fuck it is. And then they'll sit back and be like, bam, I made it. I did it. Everybody look how awesome I am. But again, that's aside from the facts. The facts remain that um, uh, I think that what is most at stake here is the enjoyment and the and like everybody who's waiting for this gen con event that it's up in the air like if you think about it how upset do we get when or or you know tilted do we get when we don't know where pro tour is going to be three months out you know and like we don't even know where it is like we need to buy our, our plane tickets whatever they know that where it is they know when it is they probably got their plane tickets they went through the hoops to get uh into the starter deck tournament and the learn to play stuff they got their hotels their travel all that's booked away and now you're telling me that the whole reason people are going to go to an event is potentially in jeopardy because upper deck is threatening an injunction against the release of the game which if upheld stops everything Everything, 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 your pre-release, your Gen Con, your tournaments, your your kitchen table stuff that you had planned, your your uh, your Aladdin marathon on TV that you were going to have while opening yeah. packs of cards. All those new Disney Plus subscriptions are getting revoked. I mean, <laughs> it's a... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, I, like to be honest, it, it's it's not good. So I can't remember the specifics of what happened in Netrunner, but that was also like an, an IP thing. I'm sure it was totally different. But yeah, it, it, I feel bad for everybody that will suffer as a result of this if it goes uh, more of a distance. But you know, those things they just kind of happen sometimes, and it, and it and it is unfortunate. I do want to say that I th I think that if this goes, if there is an injunction. If this is delayed, I don't think that Lorcana will survive in a 2024 TCG environment with so many other things coming out and so many other high-profile IPs releasing games. Uh, like this is this would be such a negative blow to the public, uh, to the PR of the game, people's interest, just consumer confidence in general. Right, all those cards that people bought will just turbo into the ground. It's uh, it's about as bad as it gets, right? So this is literally the worst thing that could happen. I think we're going to see it happen more, too, in the future. I don't think I don't think Lacan is going to be the first or the last game this happens to because there's a little bit of a TCG bull run going on right now, and Lacan is sort of our first uh, our first sort of black swan so happening let, here. So let me ask you this, because this, is, I think, is the natural progression of this conversation, which a lot of people have brought up, which is, well, every card game is an iteration of another card game, which for the most part, roots itself all the way back to magic. And that's a valid point. And when people are, are like, yeah, but everything is taken from everything else, and at what point is one thing different enough from another where it's safe from this kind of scrutiny? And ultimately, I think that, sure, because look at, if you look at Runeterra, you look at Hearthstone, you look at Magic, there's a lot of similarity there. In fact, it's if you put Hearthstone next to Runeterra, you are the only thing that, that's different there. Well, there's a lot of difference uh, involved there, but the, the mechanics are more or less the same. So why aren't they under the same um, pressure as, let's say, Ravensburger is? Well, have you, again, I want to take you back. Have you read the rules? For Icor, yeah. have you read the rules of Lorcana? They're almost word for word. So you can. Um, so the one thing I know, and don't listen to me because I'm an idiot, <laughs> is that <laughs> that's my line. <laughs> card games are very hard to enforce, right? But a lot of them have 
many aspects that are patented. So since you have Magic the Gathering patent, there's also a Flesh and Blood patent that I read a while ago. I think you can get it off of Wikipedia. Um, and they're pretty comprehensive <laughs> of the stuff that they're trying to make unique, right? I mean, you have to, to an extent. Um, I don't know how... The, the real question, and Jordan would know more about this, is how enforceable all that is. But a lot of this stuff, it, it is patented. Um so, well, yeah, I mean, September 22, this is for Flesh and Blood, the Patent Office U.S. patent here. I can pull it up right now, and we can go ahead and read the entire patent, which we won't do on this podcast, to Flesh and Blood. And it, it, is, it is fascinating, right? There is so much stuff in there that they try to lock down so that people can't copy their game. I mean, it is freaking comprehensive, like, yeah. unbelievable. Well, the way that Jordan put it is that you can trademark or copyright something like a logo or a, 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 a motto or a catchphrase or something like that. But you have to, but ideas and inventions are patents where something like, for example, let's say the land system in magic that might, that could potentially be patented. That might be, Hey, we patented the land idea as a resource mechanic in card games. And then there's a lot of extra detail and description and it's a nightmare to do uh in that regard whereas other games that come in cannot copy the land system to a degree i don't know again i'm just throwing things out here if if uh upper deck put out the patent or they applied for a patent for rush of icor in april i believe which was around the same times that the rules leaked my question is i wonder if if they put the patent out because I don't think there was a specific date associated to the patent. They just said April of 2023. I'm wondering if they pushed the patent out after knowing that the rules were similar to either beat them to the punch or say, we're also filing a patent for this and we have we have the receipts that this came from us first. Yeah. I, I think I it's mean, just, it's just, it's like legal jockeying is what it is. Yeah, it's out of my element, but like, I mean, I look at Flesh and Blood and you can see all the different areas it's patented in as well, but you can go read the U.S. patent for Flesh and Blood. You can read the U.S. patent for Magic the Gathering. I'm sure, honestly, I'm going to use that in the future if there's a new game that comes out. I'm not going to wait for them to release the rules. I'm just going to try to find the patent because they list all of the rules in them um, generally, but yeah. I, this is where it starts to get out of our out of our bounds, right? As as you know, village idiots, we we don't know exactly how all that stuff works. But um, it this is the most interesting thing to happen to Lorcana since it was announced. Full stop. I think you're totally right. I yeah. mean, okay, so in the in the in a power rankings, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give you three things, okay, and you tell me which ones are most important. Number one, the announcement. Number two the dropping of the rules and number three this lawsuit ranks them is number one yeah i'm a glutton oh it's lawsuit rules announcement i mean i'm a glutton for punishment i I just like i it's so the thing is is that it it this affects flake and i negatively it does we've we've put money into this we put our time into this etc but this is going to be like sort of a critical moment in the upcoming future, right? As all these new card games come out and as we enter this TCG bull run, and this will be used as like sort of a bit of a precedent for future games to come. Like it is just a fascinating situation. And um, I appreciate it for what it is in that sense. It is it is very interesting to me. You know when like you're in class and one of the other kids gets yelled at at the teacher and everybody's like kind of like really just watching it mm-hmm. with like that's kind of how this feels, right? Where you're like, yeah, like or when you're <laughs> like I had a like I have a sister and like when my sister would get in trouble, I would be sitting there and be like, yeah. Yeah, I like I like I know that it's bad. I know that I'm probably going to get yelled at too. But for now, this is entertainment. This is news. And, and I'm all for it. And again, it's unfortunate that it has to come to this. And the, and like what you're talking about, like moving forward, this is going to become more important. It is because there are going to be more and more card games and smaller and smaller little areas of unexplored rules and interpretations and, and executions of how cards can interact. I mean, when was the last time you saw a truly unique card game that didn't have a life total win condition and for the record friends um Lorcana is a life total game it's just you're gaining life instead <laughs> yeah, of yeah. taking it from your opponent so let's yeah, be real yeah, and aladdin illusion and right. aladdin <laughs> is just is just lifesteal that's all it is it's lifelink okay so 
in reality, um, I, what I will say is it's going to become more sticky because more games are going to come out and they're going to have less room to navigate and, and have latitude to sort of be creative because if if 10 years ago you're in a room you could throw elbows and dance like a maniac and not hit anybody. Now the room's crowded. Now your dance moves are a lot less wild and crazy, and you got to be conscious about who the hell you're going to elbow in the eye when you're, you're, you know, throwing your moves down. So that's kind of where we're at now. And I don't know, man. Like, again, I got to circle this back to the fact that this will likely, in my opinion, be settled by money. For th- And the people who are going to come out on top of this is going to be upper deck because they have the least to lose here. A hundred thousand percent. And if you think Disney is on bo- is like, well, Ravensburger's got Disney on their side. No, they don't. Uh, yeah, they don't. That's the no, thing. People been, people been saying that for months in regards to anything with Lord Connor. They've been like, oh, but they're backed by Disney. Like, no, they're not. <laughs> they are not. Disney has uh, some sort of like symbiotic relationship with them. So they don't, affect the brand in a negative way but i don't think that disney really cares if ravensburger survives or not right ravensburger is a is a game design it's like a vessel right they are just utilizing the ip and these big ips will throw their ips around i think disney's a bit more selective but i mean look at like warhammer 40k and all the shit they put their ip on like i don't think i don't think they really will back ravensburger especially if they've done something wrong um, you can go to uh, UpperDeck.com slash Disney and see just how in Di- Disney is in their pockets as well as in Ravensburger. So all you people who say Disney's got their back, well, I hate to tell you, Disney's had a much longer relationship and has made much more money from Upper Deck as they have with um, with Ravensburger. So if you think that Disney's gives two shits about who comes out on top, what Disney cares about is that their name is not sullied in any in any way. In the same reason that certain movies are not released in China because of of certain reasons or scenes are cut out of movies. Disney's just about not ruffling feathers. That's all they're about. So if they can write a check to Upper Deck and say, hey, this this one of our kids screwed up, so I'm going to give you the ice cream, but you both have to play nice, and that's the rules. So Upper Deck, here's X amount of millions of dollars, okay? That's how we're going to settle this. Um, we're not changing the game. The agreement is you're changing rush of icor and we're gonna pay you for lost time lost uh lost you know um you know investment or whatever and we're gonna also compensate you for damages and we're probably gonna give you enough money that you can go ahead and start the process all over again with a bunch of brand new designers the true loser in this entire exchange frankly is probably gonna be ryan miller's reputation (laughs) yeah it's probably not looking great on that end (laughs) i do want to say that i i think that over like um Overall, Disney, I do think that the, this whole situation is affecting Disney in a negative way. I think this is bad publicity for Disney, and I think that's going to be the biggest catalyst for there to be some But how? Movement, that's movement what I change. don't get. How is Disney affected in this? Any suit, like, so just two companies, two companies that they work with have products under their name are suing each other, suing each other in a public forum for IP infringement and theft. I just don't think, I just, I believe that Disney would rather not be associated with that than be associated with it. I, I agree with you there in the sense that they'd prefer this not to go anywhere. But I think that this is more a matter of like, uh, you know, one kid stole out of the, like stole the other kid's skateboard, but there's enough skateboards for everybody. So it's like one gets yeah, also Florcana doesn't release. Like it's, I think it's, I think it's bad for Disney. Yeah, I think no, that, that, D- Disney. Okay. So Ravensburger is the, Ravensburger is the, the designer. The game doesn't release. Who am I pissed at? If I'm, I'm a normal person, right? I'm pissed at Disney. Well, you're pissed at Disney because Disney's IP is sla- is just slathered all over this product. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's it's I'm sure eighty percent of people think that Disney made the game too. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Probably the same people who are out there saying that the game is nothing like Rush of Icor. It's the same people who have their Disney goggles on, and you know that that's that's what it what it's about. And again, if it, those people are probably beyond help to a degree. But ultimately, this is going to get resolved 
off of the one consequence being if Upper Deck files an injunction to stop or delay the release of Lorcana, that's when Disney's like, okay, hold on, we're getting involved. And that's where they're like, our massive army of lawyers are going to show up and we're going to settle this. It's going to be a week of really long hours. And at the end of the day, we're going to come to a number. I'm going to, we're going to pay it. Ravensburger is going to probably pay us back to a certain degree or whatever, but it is in everyone's interest that this game launches on time. Upper Deck, you're going to get some money. You're going to get a scolding privately, and it's all going to be honky-dory because Gen Con's going to put this to bed. Mm-hmm. I can't wait. I know, I know. I know, I know. Because it's finally something juicy that isn't a yeah. one-drop. If you just gave us spoiler cards, none of this would have happened, but you, you, you <laughs> didn't give us spoiler cards, so now we're just going to rip you apart when you get sued. Look, <laughs> I, I, we've said it before. We're we're not marks. We're we're here to to speak honestly and with integrity about the issues, and we're we're not paid by anybody. We see it and we call it as we see it, and that's the reality of it. And again, if you think that we're just here to shit on Disney or or Ravensburger or whatever, we're not because we have skin in the game. Like like Brendan said, we want yeah. this game to succeed. We want our podcast to succeed, but we're never going to do that at the at the expense of of our integrity i'm sorry that's just that at least me that's not happening yep podcast costs they cost a lot they cost a lot of time they cost a bit of money it's uh we've definitely got something to lose but i think that this is one of the most important things to happen in the tcg industry as we head into the whatever this 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 next two to three years of a a, a future is so yeah you should be paying attention all right any uh, final thoughts on this or should we move to the mailbag Mm-mm, i just can't wait for, to make the thumbnail it's good it's gonna be good it's still a public he should really put his linkedin private at this point like ryan if you're listening to this come on dude (laughs) oh ryan ryan uh ryan if you want to do the show yeah i i would i would like if i was a lawyer i would absolutely advise against it but you're welcome to come on here no absolutely uh, defend hey it's it's a standard ccg strategy never get in the way of your opponent making a mistake and uh, <laughs> that's where we're at all right so let's go to spilled ink that's our mailbag we've got a couple questions cycling in here and the first one is from ryan cole at that ryan cole asks do you guys think the lawsuit is going to kill the game what effects do you think it will have if any well we discussed a lot of this but let's just summarize and i guess give our kind of you know, is it DOA? <laughs> well, the lawsuit killed the game. Maybe. If the game doesn't release on time, I think the game is dead. I do. I think that it could come out at a later date and some people would buy it, but I think the game is dead. I think the game is already looking like... I think the game in its current state, if it's going to release for people to buy it, it, it does need some consumer confidence considering they're releasing with like a very lackluster slash non-existent organized play schedule. And a lot of other things have been done in kind of a dubious way, like the, the release schedule, their marketing, et cetera. You had a delay onto that and, you know, basically nosediving your consumer confidence. I think the game is effectively dead. I would argue that an injunction to stop the, or delay the release is not a death sentence. However, if, if if there's if there's actual legal precedent to stop or delay the release, enough people will then side with Upper Deck to say, look, the the courts are behind this. Clearly, there's some there's some grounds to these claims. Um, in which case, what that might do is it might tank Ravensburger's um, reputation, Ryan Miller's reputation, and you'll still have all the same people who are out there, kind of collecting disney stuff but what Mm. happens to lorcana is it becomes metazoo that's all it does yeah i think the silver lining here is that even this announcement but maybe the the fruition of this whole entire situation will actually force uh or potentially push a lot of uh investors out of lorcana because it's i mean this is a terrible situation for for investing in the game which might actually just make it more attainable for people to actually want to play so yeah and i mean and this is going to get 
lost in the fray of, well, we got Star Wars Unlimited, we've got Grand Archive, we've got Alpha Clash, we've got new Flesh and Blood magic sets coming out, One Piece is still killing it, Battle uh, Spirit Saga is a game as well, like there's tons of other things that are out there. So all I'm saying ultimately is that, well, because the other thing about this is that the cards are printed, they're sealed, they're in boxes, they're waiting to get, you know, like shipped out, like they're at they are printed there's they're not changing the rules they're not creating brand new sets so if like what could happen like what are they what's the courts going to say you can't release this game and then ravensburg gonna be like back to the drawing board we just spent all this money on all this stuff that's not happening i, I, I so i it it would have to be DOA. It would have to kill the game because they're not going to rebrand lorcana 2 years down the line and the other thing about it is like i said MetaZoo was pretty hot shit when it came out too, and they fumbled hard on community stuff, on integrity stuff. They looked like absolute clown shoes and still do for a lot of reasons, and nobody takes that game seriously. <clears throat> MetaZoo is the anomaly of our generation. The fact that they made any money is incredible. Well, the game is terrible. <laughs> it looks bad, and it's run by somebody who I think is legitimately scamming you all. <laughs> All right, next up is from a familiar face. At, Sasha, at Marco Victory or Sasha Markovic. It says, Upper Deck stated that they invested significant time and resources to develop a new and novel trading card game with their initial press release. What do you both think is novel about Lorcana and what new things does it bring to trading card game landscape? So Sasha Markovic is doing this thing where he's asking an innocuous question, but he's really trying to poke fun at uh <laughs> Lorcana here yeah. because yeah i mean Lorcana is um it's sort of a smorgasbord of other games um and it stripped a lot of mechanics out of games if anything it didn't really add anything too new uh it's something i think we've critiqued Lorcana on for a while now in, in, in regards to the rules and the gameplay and one of our biggest our biggest hopes for the game is we thought that you know if the game was appropriately balanced and the card design was um, interesting and fun enough that it, it doesn't really matter if the game is simple, right? So, like, you look at a game like chess, it's, it's a very simple game, but it has a lot of depth. And when I say simple, I mean the basic rules of the game are very simple. Uh, so, Lorcana had potential there, but in terms of it being novel, yeah, I do think it... I, I don't think there was there was too much too much novel things happening. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll pass it over to you, Flake, because uh, I, think, I think Sasha's trying to make a joke well and i i i when i read it i was like sasha you clever bastard yeah Yeah, it's definitely cheeky i get what he's the the point he's making here um what i like about or like the the novel aspects about lorcana i think are like you said it's it's a culmination of various different elements from various different games that come together to form a unique presentation of them a unique Mm -hmm. way that they're kind of web together you're basically saying all right uh i've got dots like a bunch of dots and and pieces and like you create a mosaic from a bunch of different things and whether you like it or not this is something different and now some people are listening like see you said it right there it's unique and different Okay, but what you did was you took Rush of Icor and you scratched out the name and put Lorcana over top of it. So, you know, it's... Yeah, which took Keyforge and took Magic and stripped every... Like, so the thing is, like, I, I do think this game is better than Keyforge uh, for my own personal reasons. Um, I do think it has solved some problems that exist with Magic, but those are problems 25 years ago. They aren't really being solved at this point. And I do think that the, um, the color identity, the IP, just like everything is looking very well done at this point in terms of its its presentation it's a very aesthetically pleasing card game and it feels thematic um like it, it feels good it feels high sort of like it has a high production value in terms of like raw gameplay especially if you're more competitively inclined player and you're looking for something that's absolutely unique and cutting edge and innovative Lakana is not that it, it just really isn't and i think you're kidding yourself if you think if you think it is but that doesn't mean it's a bad card game not at all um so i think Lakana is is a good iter- a good iteration of what it's trying to be, which is a combination of a few other games that existed before it in a way that is simple and easy to understand. Ultimately, whether the game is actually good, we have to 
play the entire set because although we can sort of see the some of the fundamental interactions and how the game should feel with the cards that have been spoiled so far, we really don't have the full picture quite yet. So uh, despite, uh, I think that I'm also on the, the Sasha Markovic side where I, I've critiqued Lorcana plenty for their game design because I, I do think that it is fundamentally weak. I do think it is weak a weak game in terms of design. Not that it's a bad game, but I do believe that through the through the card design that we haven't seen yet, it could still be a good or a great game. But I do believe the greatness comes from the gameplay against another person rather than the inherent design of the game in a vacuum. The way I kind of consider it is that just because something has more, it doesn't make it better. Um, like you go to any one of these hipster burger joints that like where there's a million different toppings in a burger, it doesn't make the burger better. It just makes it more complex and it doesn't necessarily mean it's a good burger. You can go to a drive through and get a classic double cheeseburger that has very limited things on it. You'd be like, you know what? This is simple, but it's still pretty good. It's not that thing, but it's still pretty damn good. And there are people who just want something that is simple and whatever. And I think that what their, their aim, if their aim was to create a relatively simple, inviting, um, um, easily accessible barrier of entry in terms of learning, et cetera, game that you play casually, I think that they did a very good job. I think that if that was their goal, they're doing it. I think that you and I, to a degree, may have a little bit of bias because we've played super complex card games where we don't get the same rush of exert, quest exert quest exert quest but there's inherent strategy to that too we may just be like you're a Kano player for christ's sake like <laughs> you're thinking 45 cards ahead we are i'm thinking i'm like i hope i draw some i hope i draw an inkable card you know like that's kind of where we're at because i want to drop yeah. a, a, an eight drop and, and blow you up kind of thing it's it's an interesting dichotomy because if we talk about flesh and blood specifically i think that the it's it's complexity is both its greatest strength and its biggest weakness um, to an extent. So you're right in the sense that com complexity doesn't necessarily greatness. I, I I more than complexity, I value interaction, unique design. Actually, I actually very much value fun design. That's why I like Kano, and everybody else thinks that it doesn't deserve to exist in Flesh and Blood. So I liked Galactus and Marvel Snap. Not because I thought it was overpowered or because it was performing well, but I like that you have the ability to play the game in a different way if you want to at some point, right? I don't want a different flavor of something else I've played, right? Like, there's a, there's a meme about, uh, there's like this sparkling water drink called LaCroix. And it says LaCroix doesn't actually taste like the fruit, the fruit flavor that's on, on, on the bottle or on the can. It tastes like somebody ate that fruit and then burped it in your can. I feel like that's what a lot of these, a lot of these card games and card designs are like. It's like they just don't, they're not actually unique. They just, they're kind of just iterations of the same thing. So when games have something unique, I, I really value that, even if it, it feels kind of bad to play against sometimes. Brendan, I think we did a good job of two things. Number one, discussing this matter open and honestly. And two, uh, basically incinerating any chance we had of any kind of collaborations <laughs> yeah, with yeah. Ravensburger. Yeah. Definitely, definitely a big rip on our end. But it's all good, you know? It's all good. It's uh... <laughs> We're not for sale, damn it. <laughs> yeah, we're not for sale. We weren't but, for sale anyway. But we are. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, um, I'd rather speak truth than uh, be under anyone's... It's way more fun, right? Like, at the end of the day, it's way more fun. It's much more enjoyable. And... What the hell are they going to do anyway? Yeah, their lawyers are busy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, their lawyers are busy. Yes. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all Arcana appropriate ages, uh, that is our episode. You can catch us on Twitter at Podcana. You can check us out on YouTube as well. Um, follow me on Twitter as well at WatchFlake, Brendan at BrendanAPG. Send us your questions, your comments. Does Upper Deck have a chance here? What do you think? Is What are the odds of this game getting delayed? How do you think this will resolve? Let us know. Drop it in the comments. Talk about it. We want to hear your thoughts. And of course, we want to hear your questions. But uh, if you comment and say that the rules are absolutely not at all similar, uh, your first order of business is literacy, my friends. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Oh. Oh, I just Googled what Upper Decker actually means. and I, I, You didn't I, know what an Upper Decker was? I I just, I did, I did as I was reminded off my Google search, but I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, all right. Well, there. Uh, on that note, friends, thank you so much for joining Podcana. We'll see you in a bit. Bye-bye. <laughs>